0: Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into Scripture, study it together, and apply it to our lives. Today we pick up in John chapter seven. I'm sorry, John chapter seventeen. Uh, this is often referred to as uh, Jesus's priestly prayer. Uh, we found this in John seventeen, and and it's a it's packed full of uh, of of good stuff. Um, it really, what what we'll do is we'll break this down this chapter really, these twenty-six verses will break them down into three primary sections. And the first five verses, John chapter seventeen, verses one through five, Jesus prays for himself. In six through nineteen Jesus prays for his uh, his disciples. And in verse twenty through twenty six, Jesus prays for future believers. That would include uh, you and me we, we we pick up In chapter 17 Verse 1 It says Jesus spoke these things And lifting his eyes up to heaven Well let's pause and recall What these things are After saying these things That's referring to really Jesus' farewell discourse uh, Which started back in chapter um, uh, thir- 13 As he uh, Tells his Disciples that that um, he's leaving them as he starts to talk to them about the fact that he's going to be leaving them and the Holy Spirit's going to come and one of you will betray me and, and all of that that's part of Jesus' uh, farewell discourse and um, and so this refers back there after saying those things he he looked up he lif- lifted his eyes to heaven now that very well could refer to the fact that um, Jesus looks up into the sky into the heavens. As they're walking, uh, again, I believe that this uh, is happening at the uh, uh, at the conclusion of the last supper. They've got up and they've left the 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 um, upper room where they had joined uh, together for that meal, and now they're walking uh, to the uh, to the garden, the Mount of Olives, where we will pick up in in verse uh, in chapter eighteen. Uh, anyway, Jesus looks up to heaven, possibly because they're walking through the streets. And he begins this prayer and he says, Father, the hour has come. Or the time has come, and this is the, the last reference, I, I believe, the last reference to the hour or the time have having come. If you recall, throughout John's gospel, we see that phrasing uh, quite a bit. It begins in uh, John chapter uh, uh, two, I believe, where where Jesus says, uh, "My time has not yet come." For the first time, and in that time, that hour, as it's developed throughout the gospel, is the time of his. Of his crucifixion and now he says that the hour has come so glorify your son so that your son may glorify you even verse 2 even as you gave him authority over all flesh that to all whom you have given him he may give eternal life well what's jesus saying there he says father the times come to glorify your son and how's that son going to be glorified well that son is glorified by giving eternal life to those that you've given him. See, Jesus' mission has always been to, to reconnect the fallen status of humanity uh, to the Father. And the Father is glorified when that happens, when that reconciliation happens. And so he says, glorify your son, uh, the idea that there's, he is to be lifted up so that those who have been given to him uh, may have eternal life. In verse 3, Jesus declares and clarifies what eternal life is. Eternal life is, he says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. According to Jesus, eternal life is, is knowing the Father. But it's not simply just information about God. It's a relationship with him. Under the terms of the new covenant, all God's children are to know him Personally, and this verse makes clear that knowing God is experiencing eternal life, Uh, but that eternal life is inseparable from knowing and having a relationship with Jesus. It's you can't separate eternal life from Jesus, and so this is eternal life that they know you. That's not just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge, and have a relationship with you, the only true God, and. That same type of relationship with Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And look at verse 4. Jesus makes one of the most earth shattering uh, statements, I believe, in this prayer. He says, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Well, let's just pause there and think for just a moment. Jesus uh, mentions. Another way in which he's glorified the Father—not just what he's going to do on the cross, but he says, "I've I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you've given me to do." See, um, the, the work that Jesus came into the world to carry out, to to do, has been accomplished. Jesus is at this point. Now, some interpret this as Jesus looking forward to the cross, knowing that the cross is now inevitable. Uh, but I have a hard time seeing that yes, the work of Jesus is to reconnect us to the Father. Uh, That's how he brings glory to the Father. But there's a second element here in which glory is given to the Father, and that is what Jesus has already accomplished at this point. And I would argue that what Jesus has accomplished at this point is not the cross, uh, because that's still yet to come. What Jesus has accomplished is pouring in to a group of men who are going to be and going to become disciple makers jesus poured into a group of men for three and a half years now pointing them in the way in which they should go encouraging them teaching them And here shortly after his resurrection he will say to these same disciples who aren't perfect, who at times are quite weak, as we've already predicted, Jesus has already predicted, they will abandon him in their fear and confusion here shortly. These same people will be world changers. They will become disciple makers, and once they see the risen Jesus, their lives will be changed, and they will be looking for others to share this good news with. I think the work that's accomplished that Jesus is referring to here in verse 4 is the fact that he has made disciples who are going to make disciples. Jesus understood multiplication. Verse 5, he says, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had before you uh, with you before the world was. Jesus says, Now his now that this work has come to an end. The, the the one work of glorifying God by creating disciples who will make disciples and looking forward also to the cross, Jesus says, Now glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before you. The work of revealing the Father throughout his life and his ministry has has now come to an end, and the final act of revelation would take place through his death, his burial, and his exaltation, his resurrection. And, and this would be the means to which he would return to the Father and partake in the glory that he had before the world began. In the prologue, we read that Jesus was introduced as the Word who was with God in the beginning. And now he prayed to be restored to that place. You know, Jesus, in this first section, he prays for himself in these first five verses. And then he transitions in verse 6. And verse 6 through 19, he prays for his disciples. He says, I have manifested your name to men whom you gave given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know, every, to, to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they have received them, and they truly understood that I came forth from you and now believe that you've sent me. And I ask on their behalf. I did not ask on my own on behalf of the world. And again the world is those who are opposing Jesus. Jesus says I ask on their behalf of those who you've given me, because they're yours. And all the things that are mine are yours, Jesus says, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. So Jesus is saying here, he says, in in these 6 through 10, he says that uh, the the Lord is glorified through these disciples having known about Jesus. And as they learn and build a relationship with Jesus, they therefore build a relationship with the Father, and in that they are glorified. in, in that Jesus has been glorified. Verse 11, he says, I am no longer in the world, and yet... They themselves are in the world, and I have come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 12, he continues. He says, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled jesus says I, I, I was there and they, they were all with me and have stayed with me um all besides for the one in order for scripture be fulfilled and that is judas the one who would the son of destruction some translations call him um and that can d- denote a person's character uh, or destiny or really both and this reference of course is to judas uh one of the 12 who did not remain loyal to jesus and who had already gone out to betray Jesus. Uh, John doesn't tell us which scripture Jesus is referring here to. Um, but, but it very well could be the same scripture as uh, Psalm 41 that Jesus referenced earlier at the dinner. The one who, who ate this bread uh, with me. Um, anyway, the, uh, Jesus says they've, they've stayed with me all but the one in order that the scripture may be fulfilled. But now, he says in verse 13, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. And Jesus says, I've said these things so that they can have joy fulfilled. I have given them, and what brings joy? Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world but i do not ask you to take them out of the world rather uh, keep them from the evil one again this is all tied to the, to the to the to the keeping of the word how can you not be taken away by the evil one for our lives today it's by staying in the word verse 16 he says they are not of the world even as i'm not of the world sanctify them in your truth Your word is truth. So so sanctify them in your word, Jesus says. In verse 18, he continues, he says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. But for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also be sanctified in truth. Verse 19, Jesus talks about sanctifying himself and well, how has he done that? He's done that by setting himself apart to do the father's will, which includes bringing the knowledge of God to the disciples and of eternal life to all who believe, but also of laying down his life for them. And by laying down his life for them, he also sanctified them. Uh, That is, he's going to be cleansing them from their sin separated uh, that has separated them from, from from the father. And so Jesus says, I sanctify myself for them. Verse 20, he moves on, not just for those disciples, but for all who would believe. In verse 20, Jesus says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but also uh, for those who would believe in me through their word, that my friend is you and me, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. There's a lot that could be said about this last passage here because it very strongly applies for today. That they may be one. There's a a, a prayer for unity among Christ's followers, and boy, do we have a need for that today. I mean, how often do we see uh, other Christians as combat, uh, uh, as enemies, as um, challenges and churches churches are notorious for this being possessive over parishioners and jesus says i pray that they're one verse 22 he says the glory which you've given me i've given them that they may be one just as we are one and i in them and you and me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them as you have loved me Jesus said here's how unity works being bound in love for one another not based on one's love for self but because of the love that the father has for the son and the son has for the believer that's the love that we should echo to the world verse 25 Jesus says father I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. He transitions now in verse 25, uh, somewhat of a closing of sorts. Says, now, o righteous father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you and these have known that you sent me and i have made your name known to them and will make it known so that in the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Notice here, as we conclude, one of the foundational things here, one of the bedrock principles is love that should be shared by Jesus' followers, not just amongst them, but also the love they have for the world, for those who do not know. This is a fascinating prayer where Jesus starts and he prays for himself, and then his disciples, and then those who would believe And it calls into question, it causes us to question several things about our lives, about our ministries, about how we live. Let me ask as we conclude, do we live a life marked by love? Jesus says the amount of our love will dictate how the world knows the Father. Does the world know the Father because of our love? Does the world come to to know the Father because of the way we love? Does our love make a difference in our communities, in our worlds? Jesus says uh, a a great way to tell, uh, to to ask negatively, I suppose. Jesus says, I I and them and them and me and I and you. For, For us, there's a litmus test of sorts. If there's no love in my life, then I must ask myself the question... Am I in with Jesus? Am I in with the Father? As we learn from elsewhere in Scripture, uh, how can we say we love the Father and yet hate our brother, John will later write in First John. Christians, we're called to be marked by our love. And by our love, the world will know that the Father has sent Jesus. Jesus says, as you've sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. I in them and them in me, and they may be in us so that, look at verse 21, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Boy, is that a challenge for us today. And so that's where we'll conclude today. Looking at Jesus' high priestly prayer, how he prays for himself and the work that he's done in making disciples who will make disciples, and he prays for those disciples that he's made and for the disciples that are made from those disciples. And that leaves you and I to ask the question, am I a faithful disciple today? Am I marked by that love? Well, thanks for listening today. Join me again tomorrow as we dive into chapter 18. God bless, take care, and thanks for listening to Leesburg Daily.